We're in the second week of our At The Movies series. Uh, we're taking five weeks in July to uh, look at some of the best movies that have come out over the last two years. And as I talk about all the time, anytime we do this series, and it's been a while since we've had the opportunity to do it, that, that I really truly believe that you cannot tell a good story and it not have themes of the gospel in it, themes of redemption and reconciliation and forgiveness and hope and grace, and the list just goes on and on and on. And it doesn't matter. This is what is so amazing about this. It doesn't matter whether the person writing the story has connected all the dots, gets the gospel, whether they even believe in God or not. It doesn't matter if the movie director believes in God. Like, you cannot tell a good story and there not be gospel themes in it. And so what we do with the At The Movie series is we're not preaching the movies. We're preaching the gospel and using the movies to illustrate the gospel. And so we understand every movie that we uh, highlight and that there are things in that movie, that's certainly true with this movie, that may go against the value system of scripture and it doesn't reflect everything that we would believe. What we're focusing on are the gospel themes that emerge because again, in every good story, the gospel themes emerge. Last week, we started the movie series by talking about uh, the iconic blockbuster Top Gun Maverick starring Tom Cruise, which was perfect for July 4th weekend. This week, we're looking at the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is uh, this hard-to-define movie. Some of you have watched it, and you're like going, what in the world is Rod going to do with this movie? Because it is like... Part kung fu movie, part sci-fi movie, part farcical movie, part comedy, part drama. It's like all of those things that doesn't fit really in any neat category. And maybe it's one of the reasons why it took almost all of the awards at the Academy Awards this year. Best picture, best actress, best supporting actress, best supporting actor, best director, best original screenplay. It just kind of dominated this year. And the movie was filmed, which is, I, th I find this really interesting. It was filmed on a relatively modest budget. Uh, directors Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheiner, who are collectively known as the Daniels. That's the way they're referred to. That's the way that you see even uh, in the movie as the movie opens like the Daniels being the directors, the producers of it, all use these cost-cutting techniques, these cost-cutting measures to accomplish a visually stunning sci-fi film. And I find this interesting. All the post-production work was done by seven of their buds, seven of their friends, seven of their close friends who the Daniels have worked on a bunch of music videos together and they've used these seven people to help do these music videos. And these seven people did all of the post-production on the movie. And they had never used some of the techniques that needed to be used on this movie. And so they basically learned the techniques by going to YouTube, seeing YouTube presentations on the technique, and then using the technique to post-produce the movie. It's an incredible, incredible kind of 
teamwork that went into making this uh, movie possible. Evelyn, played by Michelle Yeoh, is the main character. And uh, Evelyn, a little context, Evelyn runs her own business. It's a laundromat, and things in her life are not going well. Her marriage to her husband, Wayman, is falling apart. Her relationship with her daughter, Joy, is disintegrating for a lot of different reasons on a lot of different levels. Her aging father is uh, getting harder and harder to kind of take care of and is taking more and more time to do that. And then her taxes on top of it all are overdue and she's being audited by the IRS. And she basically has come to the point where she feels like she's achieved nothing with her life. And when Evelyn goes to the IRS office to meet with the IRS official, who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis, which is hilarious, she has this mind-bending experience where a version of her husband from another universe, from the Alphaverse, shows up, gives Evelyn a headset, and tells her that that there are thousands of versions of Evelyn, that he's seen thousands of versions of Evelyn in the multiverse. The multiverse is made up of an unlimited number of universes and that she can access all of these Evelyn's. She can access all of their memories. She can access all of their emotions and she can even access all of their skills. And the reason that she needs to do that is because in all of these other universes, her, jo- her daughter, Joy, played by Stephanie Hsu, is an all-powerful, all-knowing supervillain called Jobu Tupaki, who can jump verse, uh, that's jumping universes, going from universe to universe to universe to universe, can jump verse at will, and who experiences everything in the multiverse all at once, all at the same time, which is where the movie gets its name. And Wayman, this Wayman from the Alpha verse, has discovered that Joy, that Jobu, is building something that threatens to destroy the entire multiverse. And Wayman believes that this version of Evelyn, this one that owns the laundromat, that's going through all of this stuff, whose life is so drab that this Evelyn, this version of Evelyn out of all of the versions of Evelyn that he has seen in all of the other universes can prevent Jobu and prevent annihilation. Are you still with me? (laughs) Some of you have seen the movie and you went, that's not bad. And some of you have not seen the movie and you said, I don't think I'm ever going to see this movie. So So initially, Evelyn is disinterested, actually, in saving the multiverse. Like, who cares about saving all of these other universes when you're being audited by the IRS in this universe? Like, who cares about all of these other universes? But then, Evelyn realizes that there are so much more exciting versions of herself in these other universes. Versions that are the result of her making different decisions at different points in her life. In, in a universe where she didn't marry Waymond, she becomes uh, a famous movie star, for instance. In another universe, 
Uh, she is a hibachi chef. In another universe, she is a, a master of martial arts. And the list just goes on and on and on. And there are universes where everyone's fingers are hot dogs and universes where they're all rocks. It's just like weird at a whole other level. And, and, but the premise is intriguing. It's an intriguing proposition. Like who doesn't wonder at times what their life would be like if they had made different decisions at different various points in their life. And Evelyn gets to, to see all of that. Take a look. So initially, Evelyn is intrigued by all of the what ifs, like this idea of what if. What if I... What if I didn't marry who I ended up marrying? What if I didn't have a family to take care of? What if I didn't have an aging father that I had to take care of? Like all of these other versions of Evelyn seem to stand in stark contrast to the drabness and the conflict in her own life. For instance, after jumping to the universe where she never married Wayman and she became or instead she insensitively tells Wayman, I saw my life without you. I've seen it. It was beautiful. <laughs> what a loving thing to say. I saw my life without you. I wish you could have seen it. It was absolutely beautiful. But there's a dark side to all of these universes, and that's this battle between Jobu, Joy, and who wants to destroy the whole multiverse, and Evelyn, who is apparently, this Evelyn is the only one who can stop her. And at one point, Jobu reveals the weapon of mass destruction that she is building uh, to destroy the multiverse, and it's history's most literal everything bagel. She has literally put everything on a bagel. Not just sesame seeds and poppy seeds and salt, but also her hopes and dreams and her report cards and every breed of dog and every listing on Craigslist and the list just goes on and on. Take a look. It's a wild ride. <laughs> Nothing matters. Feels good to say it, Joy says. Nothing matters. Because if nothing matters, then all the pain and the guilt you feel for making nothing of your life just goes away. If nothing matters. Maybe at some level... Um, you can identify with that. Maybe there are some choices that you have made in your life that you really regret. Maybe you feel like you haven't lived up to your potential, the idea that you had when you were younger of like what your life was going to be and how it was going to go and then kind of life got in the way and other decisions got made and, and, and you're living this life that's like okay but you feel like you're not living up to your potential in some way. Maybe you get depressed every time you go on social media because it feels like everyone is living a better life than you are. 
Joy has embraced nihilism as a way of like dealing with that pain. That the only way for her to escape feeling like she's not enough, that she's never been enough, that she will never be enough is by convincing herself that nothing really matters. Because if nothing really matters, if it doesn't really, nothing really matters. If nothing matters at all, then it doesn't really matter if she destroys herself. And it doesn't really matter if she destroys the multiverse because nothing really matters at all anyway. When Joy says that nothing matters, it's actually echoing the words of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes when he says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything, everything is meaningless. Nothing matters is what Solomon is saying. But for Solomon, the meaninglessness of life wasn't because he felt like he hadn't accomplished anything, just the opposite. It was because he had accomplished everything. He, he had it all. He was, he was famous. He was wealthy beyond measure. He was powerful. He was successful on every human level. But Solomon says that none of these things gives meaning and purpose to his life. And he spends most of the book talking about how meaningless all of these things are. Most of Ecclesiastes is Solomon talking about how meaningless all of these things are. And then he wraps it all up by saying this. This is when you get to the last chapter of Ecclesiastes and almost the last verse of Ecclesiastes. He says this. Now, all has been heard about all of this meaninglessness, like all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In other words, Solomon is saying that the only thing that ultimately your life purpose and meaning is being in the yes position to God. It's knowing that your story is part of a bigger story, a story that starts in a garden that ends in the city of God. And when we align our story with God's story, when we align our story with that story, that's when we find our sense of purpose. That's when we find our sense of meaning. That's when we find our sense of worth. Now at first, Evelyn thinks joy may be right. That maybe nothing does matter. Maybe life is meaningless. Maybe her own drab life is actually proof of that. And maybe she just needs to stop fighting it and let her daughter go into everything bagel oblivion. But there is something or someone, some higher power that is never named in this multiverse that will not allow her to do that. So Evelyn fights to save her daughter. She fights to save Joy. And a lot of violence and uh, kung fu fighting ensues. And it's awesome. Like there's so much kung fu fighting in the movie. It's fantastic. But the fighting doesn't seem to be accomplishing anything. And Joy's own destruction seems to be getting closer and closer and closer. And the destruction of the multiverse seems to be getting closer and closer and closer. And that's when the movie pivots and Waymond steps up in a really, really big way. 
He tells Evelyn that, that not all fighting looks the same. He tells her that there are other weapons that she can use that, that don't even, they don't even look like weapons, but they are weapons that you can use. They are, in fact, the most powerful weapons of all. Take a look. I know you see yourself as a fighter, Wayman says to Evelyn. I see myself as one too. And this is how I fight. And then he implores Evelyn and anyone who will listen to fight for the things that they care about using different weapons. Using weapons of kindness, using weapons of love. And that's exactly what Evelyn does in the movie. She begins to fight all of her enemies in the multiverse with love and with kindness. She empowers, she, she overpowers them with love. She overpowers them with kindness. It's the kind of stuff that Jesus is talking about in his Sermon on the Mount when he says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go, go two miles with them. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said that you are to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In other words, Jesus is saying, in a world that is increasingly polarized like the world that we live in, in a world where people often view each other with suspicion at best and hatred at worst, the most powerful weapon that you have, Jesus says, is loving kindness. It's the same kind of loving kindness that Jesus showed for us when he died for us on the cross. It's the same kind of loving kindness that turned us from enemies of God to children of God, daughters and sons of God, friends of God. There's another great quote in that clip it's in the universe where Evelyn is a famous movie star, and in this universe, Wayman and Evelyn both are very successful, uh, incredibly wealthy. It's just that they keep missing each other relationally. They never connect relationally. And Wayman says this to her, says, even though you have broken my heart yet again, I wanted to say, in another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. It's this powerful reminder that even though the grass may seem greener at times on the other side, in the other universe that's out there, and even though we may fear that we've missed out on living our, our best life. Our best life isn't necessarily the version where we have it all. 
And it's not necessarily the version where we have it all together. Our best life is the one where we are loved in spite of our failures, in spite of our mistakes. We are loved by God and we are loved by others. At another point in the movie, Wayman says to Evelyn, every disappointment, every mistake you have made in life has led you to this point. So don't let anything distract you from it. And that's true for you as well. There are not thousands of versions of you in thousands of universes. There is one you in this one universe. One you in this one universe. And every disappointment that you have ever experienced Every painful thing that you have ever gone through, every stupid decision that you have ever made has led you to this point. So don't waste it. That's the message of the gospel. So don't waste it. Let God have all of that. Let him have the disappointments, the pain, the hurt, the stupid decisions, let him have all of that. Let God redeem it. Let God use it. And if you do, whatever your life has been up to this point, I can guarantee you the best is yet to come. That is always the message of the gospel. That when we allow God to have our hurts and our pains and our failures and the stupid decisions that we have made that when we give those to God and turn those over to God, the best is yet to come because God can redeem it and use it and reconcile it and make life different and better for us. In the film's powerful climactic moment, this animosity and this tension between Evelyn and Joy becomes volcanic. Back in Evelyn's original reality, Joy tries to leave the family and she shouts to her mother, just, just let me go. Just let me go. We, we, are, not, we are not good together. <laughs> we are not good in each other's presence. Just let me go. And for a moment, it looks like Evelyn is entertaining the idea. And then there's this montage of scenes in which Evelyn lets her daughter go in all of these different universes, in all of these different realities. In the universe where Evelyn and Joy are, are rocks with googly eyes on them, Joy's rock tumbles over a cliff while Evelyn's rock just sits and watches it fall away. And from a human perspective, like that choice to let her daughter go to, to realize that maybe they're just not, they're not two people that can connect to each other makes sense. Evelyn could be anything, anywhere, in any number of universes. So why bother with this dreary, conflict-filled universe that obviously brings so much pain? But in spite of all of that, she cannot let joy go. And there is this powerful scene where the two of them 
finally connect. Take a look. No matter what, Evelyn says to her daughter, I still want to be with you. I will always, always want to be with you. I will always want to be in relationship with you. And I just want to talk about that on a couple of different levels as we wrap this up. One is just the human level, just our relationships. Who, who is it in your life that needs to hear those words or some version of those words from you? A relationship maybe where there is conflict and struggle and misunderstanding and 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 maybe where value systems are different and beliefs are different and lifestyles are different but what desperately needs to be said is though no matter what I still want to be with you I will always, always want to be with you. I will always want to be in relationship with you. Regardless of how difficult this gets, regardless of how hard this is to navigate, regardless of how easy it would be <laughs> to live another version of myself where I don't have to deal with this. I choose to be with you. I choose to be in relationship with you. And that's what the God of the universe says to you. That's the kind of love that God has for you. The kind of love that has left heaven another universe beyond universes has left heaven and entered into to this universe, to this world, to, to our world, to your world, with all of its brokenness and all of its difficulty and all of its pain and all of its hurt and all of that, just to pursue you. The kind of love that, that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. The, the kind of love that lays down its life. The kind of love that is Emmanuel. <laughs> that's not just true at Christmas. That's true all the time. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> all at once that God is Emmanuel. God is with us. And in spite of all the things that we are going through and all of the challenges and all of the difficulties and all the questions sometimes we have about God and sometimes the tension that there is, is in our relationship with God that God says, I will always, always be Emmanuel. I will always, always want to be with you. Paul says it this way in Romans 8. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no better life anywhere in the universe. No better life anywhere in the multiverse than one that is marked by that kind of love. A love that pursues us even when it doesn't make sense to pursue us. A love that just keeps pursuing us. A love that is relentless. A love that will never give up. A love that would traverse a thousand universes. A love that would traverse a million universes just to be with you. Just to be Emmanuel. Just to have God be with us. God, we are overwhelmed when we think about the magnitude of your love. And Lord, I pray, I pray first of all for anyone who is here in this sanctuary, anyone who is viewing this online that has never said yes to that love, has never said yes to your forgiveness and your grace, has never invited you into their lives, has never perhaps fully understood that you are a God that always, 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 no matter what mistakes we have made or failures we have, always wants to be with us. And I pray that today could be the day of saying yes to you and yes to that love, of praying just a simple prayer. God, thank you for what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you for loving me in spite of my failures and shortcomings. And I say yes to your forgiveness, yes to your grace, yes to being in a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for those who perhaps need to say that to someone in their lives. Someone who perhaps there is tension and struggle between value systems and lifestyles or whatever it is that need to hear the words, I still want to be with you. I will always, always, always want to be with you. And Lord, because of your love that you show to us, may we extend that kind of love to others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we stand together?